The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined as always by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. It is the 13th. Careful, it's the 13th of September, 2012. And um, it's been a momentous week. It's been a week where we saw GoDaddy gone for a little while. No one's quite sure why. Anonymous says it wasn't them, although one of the guys says it was. Um, GoDaddy says it was us. It certainly wasn't us being hacked. And uh, no one's really sure what really went down there. But we do know what you can do to protect yourself in case something like that happens. And we have the remarkable, the legendary Seashell, Carolyn Shelby, coming up uh, just just after our first break to talk about how to protect yourself um, when your primary DNS goes down. We also saw um, attacks on U.S. Um, embassies and consulates across the Middle East, ongoing attacks on U.S. embassies and consulates around the Middle East, stemming from the uh, a clip from a video that was posted up on YouTube, um, and now we hear calls for internet censorship because of that video. That's something Dave and I are going to discuss in a few minutes, and towards the end, we have um, Christine Sashinger, and, and, and Dave, who's our other guest coming on? Is Sean Rorick, the uh, main organizer of uh, Digital World Expo. It's his brainchild uh, in Vegas down on the 27th to 29th. I'll be attending and, and speaking there. I'm actually going to be sharing a, a stage with your friend and mine, uh, Simon Heseltine. We're talking about search marketing anatomy, so it's going to be oh a good time. Oh, my God, you and Simon on stage. Excellent. Simon is a great guy to speak with, but a crappy guy to play pool with. Ask him. <laughs> I will. I'll try to rope him in. a game in Chicago one night. I swear to God, it was a three-and-a-half-hour game. Him and I both, <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious, but awful. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, Digital World Expo. Uh, going to be doing that in, the, in our final segment. Um, I'm really excited. I can't, I haven't spoken to Carolyn Shelby for a couple of years. And um, when I say legendary webmaster, uh, is that a big enough word for, for Seashell? Well, maybe if you put it in a Barney Stinson kind of legend wait for it <laughs> uh sort of sort of approach to things yeah i mean she's she's been around for uh for ages and uh you know is is, is a brilliant human being really excited to have her on the show so that, i'm looking forward to that and uh yeah but let's talk uh, i guess we've got uh we got a you know a fixed time here because we got three guests coming up on the show and so that you know we usually blow through an hour uh just the two of us we now we got another uh you know 10 minutes of, of banter um, and then we can go. So we we can touch on a on a subject that I'm sure you and I can get. I don't know. Let you know. Let's see if we can agree on something here. I, I have a hunch we'll we'll probably polarize as as we tend to do on anything that involves no, politics or legislation. No, uh, 
I'll, I'll try and work really hard to do it anyway for entertainment's sake. Um, so I'm going to call for pure censorship of everything. Um, no, uh, of course I'm kidding there. Um, over on Search Engine Journal, as uh, and thank you for sending me the link because it was a, a great sort of summary of, of what's going on. Um, they're talking about the call out, um, as, as you discussed earlier, based on this video um, for more censorship of the Internet. Um, in this case, though, I, I think... <laughs> You and I hit that hit that weird spot, right? Where it's like, and the purpose of this, do do I think that video was a good idea? No. Do I think that video should be seen? No. But <laughs> you know, where where does it end? If you start censorship here, as is as is the constant um, struggle, right? If you start censorship here for all the right reasons, where does it end? Well, I see. That's the whole thing. I can't say that starting censorship here would be for all the right reasons, because you know, maybe maybe I live in this really naive intellectual world where people are reasonable enough to be able to look at the context of something before making judgment, and that's the whole free speech thing. We believe that everyone else around us is reasonable enough to, you know make their own intellectual or their own, you know, assumptions about, about, about any piece of uh, speech, video, print, whatever. It's frustrating because, I mean, you know, I may be a lefty, you may be a, a moderate or a writer or whatever, but we do. I mean, it's easy to agree that free speech is the bedrock of our society and is a webmaster the whole concept of free speech keeps me, you know, allows me to publish what, you know, whatever gets published. It, it protects me. It's important. Right. Well, I mean, you, you come back to the, the classic, classic quote, and unfortunately the, the, the name of the person who said it is escaping me, but the, um, you know, I, I may disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. So to your Voltaire, point, and French Voltaire, there we go. And, and you're 100% right. I mean, this is, is the absolute bedrock of of what makes a democracy, and this is what we're trying to uh, sort of spread. Well, what right? I mean, there's there's inherent goodness in a democracy, so this is what we're trying to to spread. You know, those of us, you know, over here, we, so, we so, won't get so, into a political so debate. When, so, what about when somebody exercises their free speech right, knowing full well that doing so is going is going to put other people in jeopardy? Right. Well, and and isn't that the the classic argument? Because some could say anything right like if i came through and and had posted a video or, or if a video was posted um you know sort of on the on the exact opposite side you know sort of promoting the um you know the goodness inherent in in you know all beliefs that at their core are teaching you tolerance and you know i mean and there's, most but, it's the there's plenty of videos out there saying just that Exactly. Um, and at the same time, if you look, there will be people that think that's the problem, right? That that, that this belief is the core of the problem um, and that, no, these things are a threat. I'm not saying that to me at all. Like, just let's preface this here. <laughs> um, but that, that's the problem. So if now, now who's right? Now, if we can go in and say we need to censor this because this might incite riots and, and, and this and that, well... Okay, but then the counter argument would be somebody could put the exact opposite video on there talking about tolerance, talking about patience, and there will be people to believe that is a core of a problem. 
um, and that uh, you know sort of being lax on these sort of issues and not discussing them is going to lead to to more you know catastrophe and you know in, in sort of the on the homeland sort of area so you end up in this in this debate of who decides what's right and wrong and that as you know and and as we're you know i think in total agreement that is the problem um with censorship is who is making that decision and if there's a political agenda behind it i.e a political organization deciding what can come in and what can come out or, or a governmental body how much does it get skewed how much decisions are going into it where is the line um who decides how far you can go in in discussing um, you know problems in discussing you know threats and and issues. How far can you go before it gets censored? And you know that here's, that's a- here's my problem with that whole line of thinking. I'm usually the guy standing on the outside screaming, "Hey, there's a problem! Look over here. The oceans are being polluted. Hey, there's a problem. You can't cut down that forest. Here's why." That could be construed as blocking economic growth. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. But I still have a right to say it because yeah. this is the world I live in and I have a concern. And I'm screaming from the outside saying, hey. And it's okay being on the outside as long as I can scream and be heard on the inside when necessary. Right. Now, if somebody else's right to scream on the other side of the circle is impinged, so is mine. Right. So, is there an arbiter? Well, how can there be an arbiter? The arbiter used to be us. Now, in the olden days, it was really hard for for something um, absurd to go viral because, well, we didn't have the internet. We had print. We had, like, broadcast TV. We had a whole bunch of filter mechanisms between the original writer and public broadcast and there had to be some sense of quality some sense of social use you know something valuable to whatever piece of media was published out there Mm -hmm. and then you could say uh, to to take this uh, direct example so there's riots in uh, Libya and uh, in in Benghazi and in uh, Cairo Egypt because the people think that this video or the people who are riding, I should say, thinks this video reflects American general values, which clearly it does not. Right. Um, in the olden days, when there was a bunch of filters to go through, it would be way easier to argue that maybe, in fact, it does represent American values because X number of people had to say, yeah, okay, put that on the air. Now, right. one wingnut has to make a video, put it up on YouTube, do the right promotion... And the thing goes viral. But that really only represents one person's opinion. It certainly doesn't represent 370 million people's opinions. Right. So now, going back to how do we, how do we react? I mean, I, I think you, me, and, and all of our listeners here can, can sort of agree that, yes, something in these situations. I mean, what's now going on in the attacks as a, as a byproduct of this sadly almost proved the point, right? I mean, they, they, they reinforce what the, what the original um, publish, publisher had, had put out, right? I mean, that, which is a sad truth in, in all of these things. When you say something and it you know, makes people angry, then you end up, you know, those people end up supporting the point, which, is, which is, is obviously a problem. Now, you and I can agree we don't want governmental body. I mean, that just gets dangerous for everybody, for, for the entire web, for, for everybody, all of our listeners who publish, this becomes a, a dangerous and very, very slippery slope. 
um, the travel down. Now, would you sort of agree or or, or go in with a, a policy of okay, well, when stuff like this is being posted, because we're talking about YouTube, so we'll we'll keep it to that. But each property would have their own reaction, um, sort of to go okay, we can't censor, but we can put up a warning, and you know what, we can put these other videos as you know key indicators you know okay yes you're seeing this but we're going to make sure when you see this that this video shows up highlighted immediately after and goes you know we're not all like this watch this one um and this is the majority of 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 our population um Gee, that's going that reminds, reminds me of amazon.com's recommendation engine if you like this book you might like that um right. but in so this case you, like this, you will probably that. not like this but you should watch it anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and that's exactly what would happen. I mean, the thing is, with the technology today, you could, and I'm not saying this is pro or a con, but you could even determine that by where the person is coming from and go, okay, but, you know, we know this is going to cause us huge problems there. Yes, they have a right to see it because we need to show them that democracy is a good thing and free speech is a good thing, but we also need to go, okay, now here's one guy, now here's the rest. (laughs) And sort of go, yes, you can watch this, but we need to make sure you're watching this as well. You know, there's this one area of open citizens publishing that gets policed by the citizens themselves. It's called Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Wikipedia project. I, I'm still of the opinion that it's not uh, sourceable for university or for business-related materials, but it's a damn good place to find, you know, the, 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 the articles that send you off to find actually sourceable pieces. And in right. case, Wikipedia is fairly accurate, you know. Crowd, yeah. this, this is an example of crowdsourcing that worked. Now, I'm just making this up right now as we go along. I have no, I, I have no idea if this will work or not. But the one thing that, that, that strikes me that has worked is the Wikipedia model. Maybe it's possible through voting up or voting down to uh, you know, show assent or um, dissent against a, a particular opinion or... Uh, view put out there on on the internet uh, over YouTube. I don't know how that would work, but it certainly wouldn't stop people from reacting at first blush. And it's really hard for me to fault, I mean, like, it's easy for me to fault people who take a violent reaction. Don't get violent about stuff, even religion. Don't get violent about it. it doesn't it's, it's bad. It's wrong. It's, it's the worst way to be. But I, I understand a visceral reaction to something I disagree with. You mm. see me on Facebook. I am a dyed-in-the-wool lefty. Okay? That's it. Yeah. That's, oh, that's I who do. I am. I know. And, We've debated there. <laughs> and I go loopy when I see unfactual, wrong facts placed on, on, on the web and, and, and people you know, supporting wrong facts. And I don't care which side does it. I go loopy on the Dems. I go loopy on the Republicans. I go loopy on the Liberals and the Democrats, the Conservatives in Canada. I don't care. I'm, I'm all into democracy works on a well-informed population. But I've seen myself just react and then catch myself a few minutes later going, you know, in a clearly emotional, not logical reaction. So even if we did have this vote up, vote down system, for posts that go to the internet, there's like gajillions of them too. It still wouldn't stop people from reacting viscerally. No, no, you're right. And I mean, imagine yourself to to put ourselves in in the position of of these other people. Um, you know, imagine yourself right in that moment, right where you are just irate. You want to react. You're you're angry, 
at something you have just seen or heard or read. And all of a sudden, there's another 200 people, all of them armed, in the streets, angry at the same thing that you are. And you, there is, I don't care who you are, I don't care what country you're in. I mean, heck, we saw it after the freaking Stanley Cup. There's a mob mentality, and it is easy to get going. Um, right? I mean, we lost a hockey game, people, right? And that got people rioting. So, um, you know, you, you talk about something like this and go, and you can talk yourself down because you've got that calming period. And, I mean, you're, you're a, a rational and, and reasonable human being. I may disagree with you, but I consider you rational and reasonable. Um, and so you, you, you can talk yourself down, but a lot of people don't. And you catch them in that moment, and you have a mob behind them, all of them angry at the same thing by, uh, you know, a, a country that <laughs> by every propaganda piece you have flowing around you is not friendly to you. And all of a sudden, yup, you're going to get very, very upset. We need to, to find some ways. And I think you're voting up, voting down is, is an interesting idea. That, um, that can't and, work, but it's the top it, of my head, you know. It can't work, but there are ways that we can do this without going, you can't watch this. There could be, and, and you know, it is a form of censorship, but it's one I, I can't believe it, but I'm almost willing to tolerate if it was done right, is more of a, okay, can we put a, if enough people vote this down, can we put a warning up going, this is problematic, right? If enough people react and go, this thing is offensive for, for sort of national security reasons, okay, we need to put a warning label up here and go, this thing is potentially problematic and we need to put a warning and we need to let people outside of the United States and in know that this is not indicative of, of the population as a whole and, you know, uh, you know, reasonably suggest other work that they might want to, to go to, to, to see. That is a level of, of, of um, you know, something has to be done and at that degree, you're still making it available. I, I would be... Um, you know, sort of receptive if it was done right to that type of, of warning and warning system, sort of like treating adult content or, or movie ratings sort of thing is let people know um, that this thing is not not reflective of what's going on. Indeed. Um, you know, one thing I do want a lot of people to do, I want a lot of people to think about, think about what a common web reaction to calls for censorship on the web would be. Because it's about to get very loud here. Apologies. <laughs> um, because it's coming. There will be calls. Um, people will be reacting this really. This isn't the last, especially in a very emotional election season, this isn't the last time something like this is going to happen. Um, and much like the fight against SOPA and PIPA, it's very likely we may have to come up with really smart suggestions for people who just tend to gently understand the environment we work in. And people should think about that. But on that, we got to take a break. We got to come back to some more real world issues, some more real, real cyber world issues. Anyway, uh, last earlier this week, GoDaddy went down, taking at least hundreds of thousands of sites with it. The whys and what hows are still out there. Um, we're not quite sure exactly what happened, but we do know what to do to protect yourself. We have legendary uh, webmaster Seashell, Carolyn Shelby, coming up. Before we get to Carolyn, we got to. Uh, Take a break here on WebCology and WebmasterRadio.fm. So on behalf of Dave Davis and Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stick around. We've got Carolyn Shelby coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. WebCology will be back after this short break. 
Digital World Expo 2012 returns to the Mirage Hotel and Casino Event Center in Las Vegas, September 27th through the 29th. Join hundreds of internet marketing professionals and learn how to grow your business during three days of non-stop networking. Learn the best steps and best practices for mobile marketing, augmented reality, search engine optimization, social media, internet advertising, and over 30 more topics at this powerful event. Network with professionals from all over the country and learn how to beat your competition by attracting new customers through interactive media channels. Whether you are a seasoned pro or a newbie, all of our educational tracks are structured for all levels of understanding and marketing backgrounds. If your focus is brand awareness, online revenue, or staying on top of today's new media channels, then don't miss Digital World Expo 2012, September 27th through the 29th at the Mirage Hotel and Casino Event Center in Las Vegas. Register now at digitalworldexpo.com. That's digitalworldexpo.com. WebmasterRadio.fm has compressed thousands of podcasts and all of our radio shows into the ultimate internet marketer's knowledge base. Introducing the new WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, absolutely free and now available for iPhone and Android users. Listen to our live broadcasts at the push of a button or access our complete archive of shows, past and present, like SEO 101, Affiliate Buzz, The Shoe Money Show, The Daily Search Cast, and so much more. Read through our blog for continuous industry news and programming updates and socialize with us through all of our social media channels, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and YouTube. Download the new WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, a must-have for every internet marketer on Earth. Download it now from the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store today. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Webmasterradio.fm. Keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And uh, this is delightful. We are joined by... One of the one of the one of the first webmasterradio.fm hosts, the director of search for the Tribune Company and four hundred and thirty-five digital, the one and only Seashell Carolyn Shelby. Carolyn, welcome to Webcology. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God, it's funny just to hear your voice. Wow, I miss you. Um, I just want to just jump right on in. Like, GoDaddy goes down on Monday. That was right. stunning. Like, 
you're poking along, having a perfectly perfectly good Monday, doing all the stuff that you know you thought about doing over the weekend, and then around one thirty in the afternoon, all hell breaks loose. Man. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, more or less, what do you? I mean, like on what? One story says that anonymous anonymous hacked them. Another story says an individual member of anonymous hacked them. And the GoDaddy story says, oh, we weren't hacked. We just sort of screwed up. Um, actually, Dave, you're, you had a couple um, redirects sitting at, at, uh, at GoDaddy, and they, they sent you an email. What did it read? Uh, I, and I won't read the whole thing, but in the, in the small section where they were describing what happened, it was the service outage was due to a series of internal network events, love that word, that corrupted router data tables. Uh, once the issues were identified, we took corrective actions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so there, there's Patrick's their word. Passwords. <laughs> that must be it. They changed. They, they finally got around to changing data because passwords. <laughs> uh, so that's their definition. You know, we'll, we'll never know um, what happened. But, um, you know, as, as you know, <laughs> Carolyn, you, you started by putting out a, well, I saw it on Facebook. That's how I first thought, oh, okay, this is, this is, we need to, we need to bring on the show to talk about this problem. Um, you discussed, and I, I guess I was lucky. I use a third party DNS service. This is what you were talking about. I, I won't get into the details. What can you tell us about not just why, but, but how, how does somebody go about doing this? If you want to protect your, your site through one of these sort of, as they call them, events, what do you do? Well, first, we should set up why it was it happened. If DNS goes down, and DNS would go down because, you know, maybe a router failed between your hosting company and the rest of the Internet, or maybe because, I don't know, there's a lot of different reasons, you know, there was a series of internal network events. Who knows? The point is, when other computers go to inquire, you know, ask about, hey, can I, can I look at a web page, they don't necessarily know where to go. So they go and ask the DNS server. And if the DNS server doesn't respond, they don't get their answer. They don't know where to go. They can't fetch your web page. So the reason you would want to have a third-party DNS to keep this from happening is because when one doesn't answer, you want to have a backup. If you look at any of your domain registration um, files, it always has two DNS servers listed, right? DNS1 and DNS2. Yep. I would say probably 99% of the people that have websites, especially small guys that are you know, maybe doing do-it-yourself web hosting with GoDaddy or with some other service, they have dns1.myhostingcompany.com and dns2.myhostingcompany.com, which tells me that DNS1 and DNS2 are either the same box or they're two different boxes next to each other on the same rack in the same building. This does not, for redundancy, make. If the router that separates these two DNS servers from the rest of the Internet goes down, they both go down, and neither one's going to answer. You have to have extra DNS servers that have the same information that your primary DNS server has elsewhere on the interwebs so that when one of them ain't answering, one of the other ones is. It's called redundancy. No one, I, web hosting companies encourage people to set things up wrong. I, I have no idea what started, whose idea it was, or at what point it became acceptable to do this. Because I know back in the day, you know, 1993, 1994, 
I, I, I owned a hosting company and we had arrangements with other hosting companies in town with people I didn't even like because we needed to have separate backup DNS servers for our clients and for our own servers. I don't know at what point it became acceptable to do this, but it's not a good plan if your business lives and dies by whether or not your email and your website is up. So in, in layperson's term, what is, what is having a uh, secondary DNS server? What, what, what does that mean? Generally, it means you go to another company that is not your hosting company and you set up a DNS service or I guess depending on what kind of service you go to. There are services that, that sp- explicitly offer third-party DNS. There's other ways that you could go to just like another hosting company. Let's say you have hosting at GoDaddy and you have hosting at DreamHost. You can probably figure out a way to, through their control panels, maybe not so much at GoDaddy, you can probably figure out a way through your hosting company to set up DNS so that you've got backup running off of their thing and it's not really an extra cost because it's you've already got like the unlimited package right all you're doing is you're duplicating you've got another machine somewhere else on the internet that has the information necessary to get computers to your web server and to your mail servers because it's holding the right information because it's really all it is it's like your phone book listing right if the only if there's only one person in the universe that knows your address and that person's not available, no one can find you. If you make sure that there's two or three different people in the universe that know your address, when one person's not available, you, they just go to the next person in line, right? That's mm-hmm. all you're doing. You're creating multiple points that aren't, <laughs> that aren't along the same chain of networking that if one of them's not answering, the other one will, but they all have the same information. Now, as you said earlier, um, when, when, when you were in the hosting game back in the uh, early and mid-'90s, you would have, you know, reciprocal agreements with, with other hosting firms. And I guess the secondary DNS would just get set up. Do, uh, do webmasters have to specifically ask their host to, to, to facilitate this for them? Yeah. Yeah, because nobody does it anymore. You know, there, there are some companies where, like, I know, at, I know there are situations where it might look like it's the same DNS server or this in the same room, but they've um, just be in the way that you name your machines. You can have DNS1.mycompany.com and DNS2.mycompany.com be in, in separate buildings on separate sides of the country or separate parts of the globe if you do it right. But that's an expense, and it requires networking and system admins who know what they're doing to do it. And I guarantee you, most hosting companies aren't. So you yeah. have to explicitly ask for it. Because if you don't ask for it, they're going to assume that you don't know enough to ask, you don't care enough to ask, or actually, they probably don't know enough to tell you that it's available. You know, because <laughs> realistically, what kind of people do you talk to at your first line of defense or the, the first line of tech support that you get at, at hosting companies? Minimum wage workers who may or may not be domestic. You know, it's not you're not talking to the system administrator because he's three levels down in a bunker somewhere and hasn't spoken to a human in three months. <laughs> Shades of Rick. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to jump in with a question. Like, uh, I'll, I mean, we've all met them. Um, you know, client comes to you, you notice that this is a problem. Um, or or let's, let's even say, because you would do it for them, because you're, you're a nice human being, so you, you would help them do that. 
this. So we've got people listening or, or people that you know were affected by this this GoDaddy outage. They're a, they're a, a chiropractor in, in San Francisco. Just say, They know nothing about tech. That's not their job. They know a lot of stuff. This isn't their thing. How hard is it to set this up if you're going in with sort of a, a zero tech? You don't really know how your website works. You just know that when you check your email, you've got your contact form um, sent over there or something like that, like where you're dealing with sort of bare minimum your average website owner um, kind of thing. How hard is it to actually do this? It's really not hard. If you can retrieve your existing information, and you've got to be able to do that because that's how you set up. You have to you have to know your DNS services, and you have to at least know your IP addresses to set up a lot of like the Google apps and things like that. If you can get at that information, you've got everything you need to do to set up third-party DNS hosting. So if you go and Google or Bing or whatever your search engine of choice is, third-party DNS um, or even just DNS hosting, you're going to find a ton of companies that can do that. And I, I would wager that any of those companies would be more than happy to walk you through the process if you called them up and said, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'd like to give you money. <laughs> Funny thing how that last part of the statement makes this work. But it, um, it's not even that expensive. If you've got one little one little website and you're doing it for one IP address, they are not going to charge you an arm and a leg. I think people have it in their heads that this is, oh my God, I don't understand this, so this must be ridiculously expensive. It's not. It's nine times out of ten, it's going to be cheaper than what you're what you're paying for hosting. So we're we're, we're talking like dollars a month it's, for. It's, an insurance ch- program. Exactly. It's a cheap insurance policy. This is like, you know, look at it like renter's insurance. How many people don't bother getting renter's insurance? Most. But it's like $10 a month. And if your apartment gets robbed, you get all your crap back. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great analogy and, and a great way to put it. I mean, I know I was lucky because I wanted also redundant, you know, to hosting companies. So what if my server goes down? So I had set up third-party DNS because it facilitated um, this usage. So I, I was in a, in a, not a happy spot because, of course, a bunch of our clients were affected by this, but, um, you know, in, in a much different spot. But now, one of the things you talked about, and this may be a, a sort of caveat for people, and I'm not going to give the answer, but I, I, you know, have dealt with the situation myself. You had mentioned IP address. You need to know that. Now, a lot of these shared environments, as, as we all know, are using one IP for, you know, in the case of GoDaddy, I don't know, eight trillion websites or something, <laughs> where they're, they're stacking servers with these. Is this something we can do if we don't have a dedicated IP address? Absolutely. And the reason you can do it is because when a, when a computer requests access to your website, right, they're not, going, they're not asking for the IP address directly. They're asking for the, the canonical name, the real name, the people, the people version of the name. And because computers don't speak numbers, they, or computers only speak numbers, they don't speak people words, that whole, the whole process of DNS is just a translation where the computer is translating the people words that you sent it into numbers that go back to it. When the request comes in, when the request gets to the destination computer, the destination computer being the one that your website is on, it can tell by the incoming request which website to give it. So that stuff is already magically happening. All you need to have is that IP address. As long as you can get the incoming request pointed at the right destination computer, everything will happen. If for some reason there's a problem on the destination com- computer, which is your server, right, that it cannot, it cannot decide which website to send it to, 
that's not a DNS problem. That's a problem with virtual hosting. That's not something you can really prevent or, or provide insurance against because that is a problem with your hosting provider. Those kinds of problems, I would wager, happen much less frequently, not that these happen frequently, than DNS outages. Because DNS outages can happen when someone launches a denial of service attack. They can happen when you have a series of unfortunate internal events. Um, they can happen when a router flames out. They can happen when somebody puts a backhoe through somebody's you know, data connection. There's a lot of situations where your, your access to the universe is cut off. Okay, that's, um, we, we've only got a couple, couple minutes left in the segment, so um, I just want to get the, uh, a salient question in. We're not sure why this happened to GoDaddy. Again, it could have been the, a massive DDoS from, uh, from Anonymous or from an individual member of Anonymous, or it could have been a series of unfortunate events internally at GoDaddy. Either way, there's no guarantee this won't happen again. Now, not suggesting people should pull all their domains from GoDaddy. We're not in the business of doing that. But, um, Carolyn, just because the problem has cleared up, um, I mean, like, webmaster. I want you to reiterate that webmasters really should go get secondary and tertiary DNS set up. The, saying that, saying that, well, it's happened now. It's cleared up. It's not going to happen again. Is like saying my house got destroyed by a tornado. I don't need to get any insurance because obviously my house is never going to get destroyed by a tornado again. You can't control tornadoes. You can't control. You can't control system events. There are things that happen accidentally. What if, what if they think they fixed whatever was causing the the, the corruption and they didn't and it starts building again because it's probably something that starts slowly and just snowballs and by the time it snowballs they can't stop it. What if it was a hardware failure? If it's hardware failure that means they had to either fix the hardware or change it out. There's an infant mortality rate in hardware. They could have another problem tomorrow. You don't know and I'm not saying it's just GoDaddy. This could happen to anybody. It's, an, it's a cheap insurance policy that everyone should have and the industry in general in total, should get back in the habit of encouraging people to not have all their domain name servers in the same building. It's a bad, 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 bad practice. Well, Carolyn Shelby, uh, Director of SEO at the TRIB, and uh, from 435. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Friends, that was the legendary uh, seashell, Carolyn Shelby. Um, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. We're coming back. Dave, why, why don't you introduce the next segment for us? Um, sure. When we come back, we have got uh, Sean Rourke and Christine Schackinger, um, both instrumental in the launch uh, and, and event Digital World Expo in Las Vegas from the 27th to the 29th of this month. Um, so we're just going to be chatting about what it is. Uh, um, who's going to be there and, and all those sort of fun details. Um, this is Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. We'll be back after paying a couple bills here momentarily on the network with Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. 
Are you losing money because of a poorly designed website? Frustrated by low conversion rates on your online campaigns? Then come to Conversion Conference East 2012. Brasco here for Webmaster Radio.fm inviting you to Conversion Conference East 2012, October 9th and 10th in my backyard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Learn strategies used by the world's top conversion, usability, and testing experts to turn more clicks into customers. Immerse yourself in two days of interactive learning from 33 breakout sessions and three incredible keynotes from landing page optimization guru Tim Ash, conversion scientist Brian Massey, and the brain lady Susan Weinshank. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 10% discount on your pass. When you register online at conversionconference.com with the promo code WMFM. Don't be left out. Join us at Conversion Conference East 2012, October 9th through 10th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Go to conversionconference.com or click on the Conversion Conference logo on the webmasterradio.fm website now. On top of the World Wide Web stands an elite class of multi-billion dollar entrepreneurs and entities with accolades and accomplishments that we want to achieve. WebmasterRadio.fm has assembled an elite society of experts with combined decades of knowledge here to extend their extensive knowledge base to you. Tim Ash, Bennett Kelly, Ross Dunn, Jillian Music, John Carcutt, Dave Davies, Dush Ramachandran, Jim Hedges, Gwen Angler, Maria Retan, Boss Fondenbell, Troy Oshkis. From search and social marketing to affiliate marketing to the culture and business of all areas of internet marketing, we can help your business emerge to the epicenter of the internet marketing community. WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education, engagement, and a drive for excellence. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Don't get caught in a web of confusion. Learn the ropes on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO with Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We are joined today, an absolute pleasure, um, by Christine Schackinger and Sean Rorick, two people instrumental um, in, in the event coming up here on the 27th and 29th uh, in Las Vegas of September, uh, Digital World Expo. Uh, folks, congratulations on uh, a second year, another big event. Thanks, Dave. We're looking forward to it, definitely. 
Now, I, I'm looking through, uh, of course, of course, I look through the speakers list. I'm one of them. Um, so I think there's a bias for, for any of our listeners here. I, I love this event. Um, you've got a, an, an absolutely outstanding, outstanding lineup. So I'll just say, don't bother mentioning me. I've already covered that. Who's going to be there? Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, and who's going to be, uh, who is, is some of the big go-to names that, that, that our listeners are going to recognize and that they would um, just absolutely love to hear talking on, on some subjects that uh, are, are extremely important for web marketers? So as far as our, uh, the big deal is our keynotes. I mean, those are probably names that aren't necessarily ones that you find in conferences all the time, which is kind of what we're aiming for. But I'll just you know start with those. Um, you know, Kurt Abramson is the CEO of Share This. We have him as a general General Assembly keynote on Friday afternoon, as well as Michael Panikoff, who is the global director of emerging media over PR Newswire. And then we also have um, Dennis Manila, who is Vice President of the General Physics Corporation, which provides strategy, um, you know, consulting and, uh, you know, guidance for Microsoft. So the keynotes are pretty uh, happy with. I'll let Christine go ahead and cover some of the other speakers there. Well, we also have uh, Jason Mendenhall, for anyone interested in uh, cloud technology. He oversees the United States Cloud Exchange and is the uh, EVP here at Switch SuperNAP. Um, and then... Um, uh, there's a couple other featured speakers, Sean, that you can probably speak better to. Oh, yeah. Well, the other ones that we have is, um, you know, Tim Ash, uh, who is uh, going to be leading our landing page optimization workshop. Um, we also have um, Bruce, Bruce Carlyle, who is the CEO and founder of Conference Hound, which uh, deals specifically in conference and special events uh, business, and he'll be leading more about internet marketing planning and strategies. Christina Zilla, who is uh, over text broker, and she talks about um, content and blogging for business. Um, you know, the topics just go kind of a wide range, anywhere from you know both the programming development disciplines as well as advertising and marketing, which is what our vision was for the show originally. So. No, and I think Tom forget to mention there's someone from Facebook coming, but I could be wrong. Oh. <laughs> um, that might be a name to mention. <laughs> Now, Sean, you, you sort of created my, my segue there. <laughs> Something that I think differentiates this show from, from a lot of other shows, and, and, and there's, you know, there's, there's some good shows out there. But something that I really like about this one um, you know, that, that's a little bit different is it really seems to, you know, there's shows that really specialize in specific things. Those are great. In this one, it, it, it seems to me, and, and I attended a lot of the, the sessions last year, it really covers the scope. It's great for people who need to go to get a good understanding of, of the broad spectrum of marketing available to them. How did you come up with the idea of sort of twisting that angle rather than doing a, a specialized show like, like most of them are? Um, well, we decided to go ahead. The space moves so fast. And, you know, a lot of these specialty shows, there are really good ones out there that go deep into a specific vertical, you know, such as search or social media or, you know, internet advertising. Um, and I kind of started to realize, oh gosh, it was a long time ago, that, um, you know, marketers today really need to have, you know, both an understanding of, you know, technology and, you know, how it works and everything, and programming development, as well as, you know, the basic, you know, marketing, you know, philosophies and, you know, the different, you know, strategies that entail in that when you talk to, when you talk to audience. 
So a lot of people ask me, you know, like what's so different about the way, you know, I've particularly done marketing strategy or advertising for, you know, companies out there, um, some of the brands here in Vegas. And my reply to them pretty much is that I understand probably a lot more about the developer and programming aspects that are involved with, you know, um, the different channels, you know, to advertise on um, a little bit more than the average person. Um, you know, it's, instead of just placing an ad up there, um, like a lot of, you know, internet advertisers, as they're called, I do, and saying, oh, it doesn't work, take it down. You know, that knowledge base and that back end kind of gives you a little bit more insights to be able to talk to the publisher and say, okay, well, what if we tried this? Or what if we tried that? Because, you know, I don't want to necessarily spend, you know, a long time going through terms and conditions that are legal just to go ahead and say, oh, that ad doesn't work, take it down. But you know it's the right audience in the particular channel that you're advertising in. And likewise, on the other side of the fence, you know, your programmers and developers, you know, uh, they're behind the screen like all day long, just slinging code and everything. So when they go ahead and talk to advertisers and marketers, it's difficult to kind of translate those type, two type of languages. So the programmers and developers understood a little bit more about marketing as well. It would help foster ideas and, you know, have that, help that evolution, you know, those uh, ideas come to fruition a little bit quicker. So really, it's this, the goal of this conference was to allow, you know, tracks to involve both discipline sets and allow those attendees to kind of cross over and understand more about the other space. So if, it's, if you're looking to know more about HTML5, you know, or programming and developing in Android OS, uh, you can go to those, and those will be right next door to classes, you know, around, you know, paid search optimization and internet marketing planning. So. Well, and it's also a place where, you know, someone can bring their several members from their team as opposed to just one aspect of their team together where they can all learn together in the same space and kind of talk and, and bring communications together across, cross, you know, cross boundaries, usually in a company marketing separate from development, which is separate from social media. And at this conference, everyone could come together, attend their classes, and come back and speak about everything that they've learned. So it's kind of a place where everyone can um, kind of share ideas. Now, something I, I really appreciated um, last year, both as a speaker um, and, and viewing it sort of from the outside and going, hey, if I was, you know, an attendee here trying to, you know, trying to learn some new stuff, um, as we know, you know, we've all, you know, all, all people on the radio right now and probably a lot of our listeners have been to one show or, or another. One of the things that I, I felt was, was a little different about this one, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be the same this year, and, and maybe you can elaborate on it was the it had a more intimate feel to it. it it was easier for attendees to speak to to the people who'd been speaking it was it was a, a much more comfortable you know sitting down at the same tables and, and chatting about things and, and you know among the speakers and among attendees who were trying to get information to get access to those speakers is that something you're anticipating will be sort of in the in the same genre this year yeah i mean we, we create you know an atmosphere for learning you know, um, strictly learning and networking. A lot of the shows, you know, out there, they'll have it to where, you know, the parties are great, but, you know, unfortunately, like, when they're during the class sessions or during their panels, it's a little bit, you know, more formal, you know, as far as, you know, people having the hesitancy, you know, to raise their hand and ask questions. So what we, the way these workshops are created, we don't have any panels. Uh, this is all, you know, basically key learnings and takeaways that folks can walk away and start using, you know, immediately on Monday, you know, when they get back to the office. And I think that during those sessions, um, you know, the first, you know, half hour, 45 minutes is really about getting that grassroots understanding and then, you know, having a little bit more Q&A and discussion, you know, with the, uh, with the workshop leader. And likewise, in our exhibit hall, you know, we, we tend to try to make that exhibit hall a little bit more of a, of a social environment. So it's not so, you know, hard-pressed, formal suits, you know, that sort of thing. It's more of a, you know, Vegas lounge, quite frankly, you know, the way we pipe in, you know, the music and put everybody into more of a, of a social mode rather than necessarily just, you know, um, business all the time. 
Well, I, I think that's a function of the, the, the small number of people that, that are presenting in the classroom, so maybe one or two. So it's more of an instructional type of situation um, as opposed to just a panel that presents for 10 minutes at a time, you know, a piece. So it allows people to get a more, I think, um, intimate feel with the person speaking, and they feel more comfortable asking questions. This is your uh, second show. You guys you guys did a successful show last year. Um, I guess it's like a lessons learned question. What's going to be different uh, in this show from, from, from what uh, attendees might have seen last year? Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, you know, one thing, you know, the space moves so quickly. We have classes that, you know, we didn't have last year, such as um, we go more in-depth into, you know, topics. Um, well, for instance, Pinterest has popped up like crazy. And so, of course, we had to have a structural class around that. And given the past, you know, guidelines and practices around this emerging platform that nobody really has best guidelines and practices for, um, you know, another one would include, you know, the... Um, Attribution modeling, um, we're going to be going a lot more deeper into that. Just the topics alone kind of make the content different because we try to adapt the show and its curriculum, you know, according to what's, you know, hot and, you know, trending out there. I know that last time, uh, you know, the, the uh, session that Christine and Dave were both speaking at, uh, you know, a lot of questions were asked about, you know, um, different areas in, in SEO, such as negative SEO or black hat tactics, not necessarily to be an advocacy of that, you know, but also um, people need to understand more about you know, those type of areas when they get into consulting situations, when they hire a firm or somebody to do something, it just kind of helps them keep an eye on what to watch out for as far as, you know, things that can land the company into trouble. So we'll be going more into that, you know, space as far as, you know, the discussions at their exhibit. Um, you know, as far as the exhibit hall itself, we'll have, you know, a twice the amount of attendees this year because the show's growing in popularity and um, the brand is, you know, starting to get recognized by more groups. Plus, the main thing, I think, the biggest difference between this year and last year, last year a lot of people don't know it, but it was only just phase one of our launch. Um, this year is phase two, and phase two means that this is when um, we go ahead and start putting in content and curriculum um, devoted more around the programming and development IT disciplines, you know, about the different languages and, um, you know, strategies that they use, you know, to put together their um, developments, and we add those to the classes we were strictly going after last year for branding, marketing, and advertising. So you're going to have, for the first time, two distinctly separate types of disciplines getting together at a show and mixing and mingling, and uh, that doesn't typically happen, you know. In uh, companies today, where your you know development and uh, programming department you know is speaking to your marketing and advertising department, they don't necessarily do that. But we're hoping that creating a show and you know this atmosphere is going to help foster those relationships a little bit more and help each other's um, sides know more about um, you know one another's space a little bit more. Okay, I know I know we've got a wrap, um, and so I just want to make sure that people people can understand if they want to uh, to get in and, and want a little more information. And I do recommend you do. I mean, Vegas is a is an inexpensive place to get to, and it's going to be a fantastic show. How do they find more information on on the show and, and how to get there and, and where it is and that sort of stuff? Um, the channel that has never failed us is the dot com. <laughs> so uh, just have to go ahead and go to digitalworldexpo.com. That gives you all the most relevant uh, and most updated news as far as what's happened in the show, latest editions, um, pricing, and that sort of thing. And uh, also, do we have time, just real quick, Dave, to mention the uh, Startup Stage series? Go for it. Let's go. Uh, just just another feature of Digital World Expo is there's a Startup Stage series, which will be hosted by Damian Patton of Banjo, which was like a top-rated app last year, most number one featured in the iStore and, and uh, iTunes Store and Google Play and all that. Anyways, um, it's uh, it's startups um, under two years old that will be pitching on the startup stage. There'll be investors in the audience, nice company couches to watch the pitches. So if something you're interested in is um, new and exciting startups, there's a whole area and a whole stage of, of the expo just for that. 
Okay, yeah, we, we have only mentioned two that's closing on Friday. So as far as the uh, application, we have to wrap. I'm sorry, Sean. Friends, if, right. if there's more that you guys are interested in learning, go to Digital World Expo. Check out the website. Register for the conference. I believe that there's still openings. Um, Kristen Chashinger and Sean Rourke from Digital World Expo. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Carolyn Shelby, um, SEO director of or director of search for the Tribune Company and. 435 Digital, thank you for joining us. Friends, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've listened to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We've got great content coming up on Webmaster Radio after the news. Stay tuned. This has been a presentation of webmasterradio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm.